been studying the book of Proverbs together, and tonight's theme comes from, as most of the themes have, we're going, we're, we're not looking at one particular passage in Proverbs. What we've been doing is really just moving around and looking at uh, the theme as it traces itself through the book of Proverbs. So we did pick one up on Sunday morning. I covered for the adult Sunday school class, and we talked about um, our words and our communication, the theme that uh, how we communicate with each other. We looked at the passage, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we had a really good discussion about using proper communication. So if you missed that and you've been following the series, you can go online and catch up with that one. But tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about humility. And um, you heard about the guy that was so humble, he wrote a book on humility. So I'm going to give you my lesson on humility tonight. But really, the the theme runs through Proverbs, and it's an interesting, we're going to see a paradox in just a, a minute, but it is interesting that in a book that says so much about wisdom and wise principles for life, how to manage your life, whether it's financially or relationally, that at the same time, this theme of humility runs alongside of that. And how many of you have ever discovered that sometimes the more wisdom you tend to accumulate or the more skills that you accumulate in life, then sometimes the humility aspect gets out of whack, right? You know what I'm saying? So let's take a look at this. So we'll begin uh, with the key verses tonight are Proverbs 16, 18 through 20. Let's take a look at this. Proverbs 16 and 18 through 20. The Bible says this, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord happy is he. Whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Let's let's pray together. Lord, I ask that you'd help us tonight as we look at this scripture. I pray that we would be just in tune together. I pray that you'd help us to provide input this evening and just be fully engaged in your word and in the study of it. I pray for our children and teens downstairs. We thank you again, Lord, that you've You've seen fit to bless us with this great group of children, and that's a stewardship. And so we pray that you'd be with all of the children's workers tonight. God, I pray that as the lesson goes forth, that it would speak to their hearts. I pray that the the rowdy boys and girls, that you'd calm their hearts, that they'd be able to learn tonight, and that you would just bless that program down there. Draw their hearts to you. So again, we pray that you'd bless our time together now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, let me ask you this question, and maybe we can get a a slight discussion just to open it up. We'll kind of start open-ended here tonight. At what moments in your life, at what moments in your life have you found the temptation to pride start to well up? Think about that for a minute. So as I, I'm going to just use a little filler talk here while you think of that time in your life, but at what, like at what stages or at journeys through your life, have you found, you've been like, you know what, I, I discovered at this time that, yeah, I really, uh, that's when I was tempted to, to really 
think highly of myself, all of those things. Um, I will say that it's interesting that pride was the original sin. It was Lucifer who looked at the position of uh, God Almighty and said, I will make my throne like the Most High. And it was that same sense of pride that he used to tempt Eve in the garden. Because he said what? He said that if you are, if you're, if you eat of the fruit, you eye, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. And so this idea of self-exaltation is really at the root of most, most sins that we deal with. So hopefully that's given you enough time to think a little bit about it. At what points in your life or what stages do you think that you've been particularly susceptible to pride? Anybody want to start it? Kick it, kick it. Mike, I can always count on you, man. I can always count on you to get us going. So, yes. Okay. So for you. So you're getting, you're like being really transparent here in your anatomy and physiology classes. You're just like mastering it. Is that the deal? Like, <laughs> we're giving them a chance here. All right. So yeah, that, that, that's, I mean, that's open. You know, if God has given you the ability in that class, then it'd be very easy to just be like, you know, this is, this is me, I'm so amazing. Somebody else, a point in your life, Patrick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like real life where we live, right? It's, it's like, yeah, yeah. 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 In the ministry, when, when the church. Yeah. that you ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else, you're just comparing, yeah. <laughs> For sure. So, um, okay, yeah, so these have to do with, like, accomplishments, sure. Some, another time you're, you're tempted to, uh, to be pr prideful, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what gave you that realization? No one cares. You don't know. You just came to that realization. All right. And thus ended the <laughs> skyrocketing music career. Man. All right. So, um, what else? Other times in life, real quick, where you're like, this is a time that, Mrs. Bailey, 
Wow. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, it was, uh, did everybody hear that or no? Could you hear it? So she, her art was chosen to be a finalist for the back of some important cover in high school. And you thought you were something when you were, yeah, it's a big deal. So these moments, so this is kind of fun because we're getting like little unique stories from people's lives too. So um, yeah, these moments of accomplishment, whatever, we can remember that, right? We, we can clearly remember, boy, I really thought well of myself. I think uh, as our children do well, you know, like that can be a uh, source of, well, chip off the old block kind of attitude, right? Um, so it's, there's also can be like a false humility sometimes, right? Where people pretend to deflect the glory. Oh, it wasn't me, but you can tell that there's still that there. That's like, it wasn't me, but it was me kind of, uh, kind of attitude. Um, anybody else? Times in life we're particularly tempted at, with this uh, pride thing. So, like your you understand, like like every twenty-two year old newly married person knows exactly how they would raise their children and is ready to correct everybody else on how they would do it until you have your own kids, right? Or a scenario you, you know you would enter the scenario. Oh, I know what I would do, and then life life hits you. Yeah, so it's these are these are temptations that come, and this is a, we're 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 drawn to these kinds of things. So there's a paradox here, and you see this on the inside of your notes if you like to fill in the blanks. If you learn the paradox is this: if you if you learn humility, you will receive. Well, you tell me what's the paradox? You probably know this. You, you don't have to get my word exactly, but. The scriptures teach that if you learn humility, you're going to receive what? Yeah, honor. You learn humility, you'll, you will be honored. I didn't put the scripture from Jesus, but Jesus said that uh, whoever exalts himself shall be abased, and whoever abases himself is going to be exalted. James and John, they, they tug on Jesus' shoulder, or their mom, they send their mom. They send their mom to tug on Jesus' shoulder and say, hey, when my boy, when you're in your kingdom, can my boy sit on the left and the right hand? And Jesus says, Jesus says, if you want to be first in this kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. But there is this principle that those who learn humility receive honor. It's a bit of a paradox. But then, if you practice pride, you're promised that you will receive destruction. So, Learn humility, receive honor, practice pride, and receive destruction. That's the paradox of pride and humility. So look at these. There's multiple verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 18.12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. See the paradox right there? Just before you step into destruction, you tend to be the most boastful. Just before you step into a place of honor... You are in humility. Um, now, again, are these, these are general principles in life, right? The, we learn that from the book of Proverbs. These are not always 100% guarantees because we know, even from other scriptures, that sometimes very arrogant people rise to positions of power and authority, although even that is only temporary. 
And they may not see that destruction in the here and now, but there's an eternal judgment to pay for that. So, uh, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, before honor is humility. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and here's the statement again, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 22.4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. That's interesting right there, because that really cuts against the grain of what a lot of people, how a lot of people live. They try to fast track it, and very prideful, but there is a blessing through patient humility, riches, honor, and life. Proverbs 11.2, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. A man's pride shall bring him low but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So I think that we all have already said how we are on guard. We know or that we need to be on guard because pride creeps up in our lives. Now, have you observed, let me ask you this, it's easy for us to describe a, an arrogant person, right? That's one proud profile. There's an arrogant person. And really... Politics aside, I think most people would identify like Donald Trump as that kind of a person, right? Whether you liked him or didn't like him, whether you voted for him or not, he's, he's, he's just that, you know, he's the greatest, he's going to do everything. And that's like out there, it's obvious to see. But there was this like hypocrisy, right? Because on the one hand, people are criticizing this super boastful guy, but then all the other people we know that our political sphere is just filled with arrogant people that have just learned to be quiet about it, right? So I, I think the point is that, but it's not just powerful people. In what ways can people without a lot of status exhibit pride at times? Because I think it's easy for us to be like, oh, the, the very boastful person, but I think even people in, in lower stations, if I... I shouldn't really use that term, but I think you know what I mean as far as worldly standards go. There can be pride there too. What were you going to say, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Now, it won't take ownership. There's always a, there's, it, it surely couldn't be me, right? This situation certainly couldn't be my fault. Yeah. Absolutely. Somebody else. How does how does pride if how does it rear its ugly head even in in not those super outward expressions? Anybody think of any exa other examples? Yeah, the unwillingness to listen. It's one of my points actually coming up here. So that's good. Um, yeah. That was his yogi symbol, or <laughs> I cannot bear with your questions. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think uh, 
there's also a self-centered false humility that you can see, that we can, the pity party syndrome, where somebody can actually describe themselves in a very lowly way, but for what purpose? Yeah, to look for some kind of validation for themselves or to look for uh, people to feel sorry for them. So that's a false humility. That's another example of pride. So um, th these are ways that it's not always in your face in that kind of a way. And so sometimes people that we can outwardly display a type of humility, but it can almost be a, a passive aggressive kind of humility that really wants to draw the attention back on ourselves. And we've all seen that before. So I think the book of Proverbs I identified, and if you study the book of Proverbs, you can probably find more than this, but I've identified five evidences for us to be on guard in our lives. Five evidences in the book of Proverbs. Number one, number one is broken relationships. Broken relationships. Whenever you find someone or whenever you find yourself in a series of broken relationships, you can, you can guarantee that there is pride involved every single time. If somebody has a track record of uh, moving from job to job to job to job, and every time they leave the past job, they complain about that group. Then they go to the next one, they complain about that one. Or people go through broken romantic relationships and can never find the right person, so to speak. And I'm not talking about legitimate struggles that people have, but, but this, these patterns in our lives are broken relationships. This verse has always challenged me, Proverbs 13.10. Look at what it says. Only by pride cometh contention. So if there is contention... If my wife and I are at odds, which doesn't ever happen, okay, I tell people we are like both the firstborn in large families. Okay, so I'm the oldest of eight, Deborah's the oldest of six. Anybody ever read those birth order books or heard about that? They tell you they, they, she and I are never supposed to be together. It's like a rule of birth order books because firstborns are very strong willed. How many, any firstborns in here? Okay, firstborns. All right, the rest of you are not firstborns, so how many of you know what I'm talking about by you're in, you've, endured, you've endured living with an older brother or sister? So, anyway, so if Deborah and I are at odds, there's contention, what does the scripture say is the root of that? Yeah, only by pride cometh contention. Now, who's, who's got the pride? Not necessarily could just be one of us, right? So just because, so, so you've got to be humble and analyze. If two people are at odds with each other, it's because one or both are, there's a manifestation of pride going on there. Which is why in the church, we, you could go to the admonition in the New Testament, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Or the passage, let each esteem other better than themselves. Or the other passage, that we are to, in honor, prefer one another. So broken relationships are a, a sign. So Proverbs 18, 18, 
The lot causeth contentions to cease and parteth between the mighty. This, this is a, an interesting proverb. He, basically what that verse is, it's like you, got, you can't settle it, just draw straws. Right? Just, just cast the lot, he's saying. Because if you can't, uh, and I don't think that his point here, I don't think the point here is that's the ultimate solution. But I think the point is that, that this contention comes because people cannot, there's a refusal to let the other person go ahead. Now, verse 19 of Proverbs 18, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. So you tell me then, what would the solution be? What's the solution here if we, if we see this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was on Sunday. A soft answer turns away wrath. Yeah. Um, I think the, uh, there are some things that we can just let go. This was a really funny, funny one. My dad was there for this. My, uh, my brothers and I were having this discussion, and we're just talking like brothers do, and it can get a little bit intense. And I made a point, and my one brother was like, he's like, oh, well, this is the reason. This is the reason. And at first, I'm like, well, you know. He's like, oh, no, this is the reason. This is the reason. So I'm just like, if you want me to say that's the reason, I'll say it. <laughs> that's the reason. And we just kind of chuckled because he wasn't like, it wasn't that he was full of arrogance, but it was like a little, it was just a little snapshot of that. But that happens in, in more serious situations as well, where sometimes we need to learn just to, and I was kind of being a little passive-aggressive in my response there, too, kind of giving him a hard time. But in real life, sometimes we just need to let it go, right? We just need to, there are some things that, that if the scriptures really say in honor to prefer others, we need to let it go. How many of you have the profile, it's hard for you to let anything go? That's me. I just, it, it's, it's hard to, to let anything go. But it's part of humility. It's a practice of humility. So maybe we can just start with small things and let the little things, let them go. All right, that's number one. One thing to look out for, the book of Proverbs teaches us, is if you have broken relationships, or there is a broken relationship at home, at work, at school, wherever, that's an evidence of pride. Number two, poor, well, you see if you can fill it in. Huh? Huh? What kind of skills? Yeah, listening. Communication would, would work too. Poor listening skills. Poor listening skills. Deborah mentioned this before. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. Somebody that just wants to speak, 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 rather than listen. One of the, like several years ago, the company I worked for, we identified all of our core values and we try to live by those core values as a company. And the very last one, the very last one, we always tell people is the most important one and it's listening. And there's a quote, and I love this quote, and it's not a biblical quote, it's just a great life coach kind of quote. And that is this, seek to understand before you are understood. Seek to understand before you're understood. That's Stephen Covey. 
if you've, if you've ever read his books. Seek to understand before you're understood. This, the wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I like number two now. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. A stranger, and not, and not thine own lips. Poor listening skills. How are these, we talked, this kind of picks up on what we spoke about on Sunday, if you were there. How are these displayed in our lives? How are, how are poor listening skills displayed in our lives? Which again, is, a, is an evidence of us being self-centered, self-focused. How would you describe yourself when you have poor listening skills? You would not ever do that. <laughs> Not every day. Yeah. To the the interrupt, the interruptions. It's like I was saying on Sunday, it's like if you want to see an example of poor listening skills, just turn on a cable news show and you'll see it vividly on display right there. Um, what else are, are evidences of poor listening skills? Yeah, maybe you don't interrupt, like I just interrupted you. Maybe you don't do that, but you're thinking of your, you hear the first part of what somebody says, and you're planning to how you're going to respond. Why do we do that? Pride, because we think we're right. What if we are right? What if we know we're right? Then why, then is that still prideful? Well, we just said we're not listening because we're listening to respond, but we think we're right. No, yeah, your brain doesn't shut off. I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying, but we've all been there where it's like, we heard the first part of what they said, and now we're ready. But even if we're right, how does it still show a sense of pride? Yeah? I That's true. I, if I could say this, what value are you putting on the other person? Right? You're, you're not viewing them as valuable enough to listen to. That, I think that's well said. Because in commuting, in community, in, <laughs> watch the pride, in, in commuting, in commu I can't even say the word, in communicating the truth, you will be right. But your purpose isn't to vindicate your position, to say, I am on the right side of this argument. It is to say, I care about that person enough to extend patience to them, to listen to something at times that, that you may consider absolutely ridiculous, right? And to, to bear with that individual, to listen, 
Do I understand them? And then for the hope of, do I listen because I, do I want to persuade that person because I love them and care for them, or just because I want to prove my point? Most of us are New Englanders, so, and we're from the Northeast, so we're not known for our reserve and our communication. So, Patrick, you'll have to bear with us for, uh, you know, for a while. Poor listening skills. They are evidence of pride in our lives. Any other, any other ways that the poor listening skills manifest themselves? All right. Well, I would say, oh, now we've got more hands. There are more hands. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Mike, what were you going to say? Yeah, they kind of they compound on each other. The broken relationships, the poor listening skills. A lot of times when we struggle with pride, all of these things are happening at once. So I'll give you one other is, how about in our, I, this is a good one for those of us who are married, in our married relationships, not taking intentional time to listen to a spouse, to, um, to just say, you know what, I just need to sit down for a few minutes and we need to have a real conversation. That, you know, that's, I don't do that often enough. I remember my dad telling the story of when he was younger and that there was some point in his life where he and my mom would just sit down, they'd shut the porch door, and they'd just sit on the porch for 30 minutes and create that time to listen. What you're doing is you're telling the other person, I've created intentional time to speak with you. It's not just with married people, though. It's friendships as well. It's any relationship to care about people and say, all right, let's slow it down. Let's have a conversation. All right, we've got to move on. We've got about five minutes, and I've got three more of these. So... I'll give you this one. This one is kind of negative. We'll move. Number three is failed decisions. Is a, is, this is an interesting one. Failed decisions are an evidence of pride. I have observed in my life people receive the very best of advice and counsel. I mean, they've had people line up and tell them, that's not a good decision. That's not a good decision. This would be a better decision. I've witnessed this people of all ages. All ages. It happens a lot when we're young, but I've seen it all ages where people just do not take counsel. They don't take counsel. And so if you look back, if we look back in our lives and we say, you know what? We're all going to make mistakes. God's going to allow us to make mistakes. Not sinful mistakes, just Human mistakes, that's part of teaching us humility. But at the same time, sometimes we make unnecessary mistakes because we didn't slow down enough to seek the Lord. We didn't slow down enough to seek godly counsel. That would be because we just believe that we know it. That was, you mentioned that one too, about you know, thinking you know how to parent or thinking you know, you know what you would do in this situation, just plowing full steam ahead. The Bible says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I didn't even put that proverb in here, but that's, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. 
Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. And find somebody that will actually tell you the truth, not somebody that will just validate what or confirm what we already want to do. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Failed decisions. Number four. Number four, an entitled attitude, an entitled attitude. We do live, this is a generational thing, I think. We do live, it's, there's been a lot of talk about it, but in an increasingly entitled generation. And you can, you can probably trace it back to the post, the, probably trace it back to the baby boomer generation, post the post depression. Like when you read about, when you read about the what Tom Brokaw called the greatest generation, you read about the the World War II generation, and then you just see the change, prosperity in America, abundance, and it's just it's not getting better. But you go from baby boomers to Gen X to millennials to now Gen Z, and it seems as if we are, we're just getting increasingly entitled. Proverbs 25, 6, and 8 speaks about entitlement. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. It's a whole lot better if somebody says, hey, why don't you come sit up here with me, than if somebody says, what are you doing here? Go sit down there. You don't belong up here. Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. That's Verse 7 is about, is about being entitled to a place of prestige. Verse number 8 is about being entitled to tell somebody a piece of your mind, and then you find out you're wrong. But this idea of entitlement, it's another evidence of pride. And then the last one we'll, that I'll give you is, is number five, be on guard against an unteachable spirit. An unteachable spirit. There are, sometimes we can get to a point in life, and sometimes this comes with success, and it can then become people's downfall is when they get to the point where they do not believe that other people have anything to teach them. Whether it's, in the, whether it's in the spiritual realm or it's in the workforce realm, they stop learning, they stop being correctable. You see this with people in leadership positions. They surround themselves with people that will only say yes to them, will only validate them. It happens in business a lot because the person in charge is paying everybody's salary. So they just validate, 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 and then those people become immune, or immune's not the right word, but they become resistant to any kind of correction. We need to be careful that we allow other people to correct us at times. And that's difficult, but sometimes we need to be open to that. And we need to, well, look what it says. Let's look at the scripture. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Somebody said this, 
you, people talk a lot about servant leadership and having the attitude of a servant. This kind of goes with this. It's somewhat related. You know that you are a servant by how you react when someone treats you like a servant. And that kind of stuck with me. It's easy to say, well, you know, I'm in charge and I'll step down and do something for someone, but what about when somebody treats us that way? Not exactly, I just thought of that. It, doesn't, it goes with the humility theme. The unteachable thing is really, how do we take criticism? How do we take criticism? How many of you have noticed that usually when somebody criticizes you, even if they are not a nice person, even if they've blown it way out of proportion, even if they've pretty much unjustly criticized you, what is usually there in that criticism? Exactly. Little bit of truth. Now, again, it may be blown out of proportion, it may be exaggerated, but usually when we are criticized for something, the question is, maybe we should respond, God, are you trying to teach me something through this? Now, we cannot run our, let our lives be controlled by hypercritical people that are toxic. It's not what we're talking about. But another little quote I, I heard once, and some of these things, they just stick with you. Take criticism, criticism and praise. You ought to treat them like chewing gum. How many of you heard this one before? You treat it like chewing Whether it's criticism or praise, you want to stay humble, criticism and praise, you treat it like chewing gum. You chew on it for a little while, and then you spit it out. Don't swallow it. Because through that, whether it is somebody gives you a compliment or somebody gives us a criticism, there's something there that God can teach us if, we'll, if we, won't, we won't fix all of our attention on it, but we'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And then, of course, being open to genuine correction. There are godly friends, mentors, counselors, family members, that will have serious conversations with us and correct us at times. How will we take that correction? May we always be people that are willing to receive it in humility. Any closing thoughts from anybody on this uh, our talk on humility? All right. Please congratulate me on an exceptional Bible study after we conclude tonight. And... Uh, I'll be careful not to get uh, too prideful about it. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we're so thankful that we could come tonight and just uh, study the Bible together. I thank you for the group that's here. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be Christ-like in our humility. Lord Jesus, you are our example of setting aside your divine prerogatives and taking on the humble form of humanity, obedient even to death. So, Lord, we, we follow you. We are your disciples, so make us conform to your image. In Jesus' name, amen.